Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I ask that you open eyes today and meet us in this time of study. Father, uh, people from uh, all over have uh, uh, tuned in today. They uh, are using phones and computers, uh, all different types of uh, uh, tools in order to hear this word. And I pray, Lord, that the investment they make in your kingdom right now, you reward some 30, 60, and 100 fold with wisdom and understanding. And we give you all the honor for all you accomplished, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, tonight we're gonna be in Psalms uh, chapter 22. And this Psalm actually speaks more of the uh, crucifixion of Jesus. And the, actually it points to the resurrection as well than any other Psalm uh, in the Bible. Uh, but uh, as we read it, what I want you to realize is when Jesus was on the cross, uh, this Psalm uh, ministered to him a little bit differently than it ministers uh, to us today. Uh, because, you know, today, many of the melodies, actually all the melodies really of the Psalms have been lost. Uh, and since most of us, by the way, today, we listen to music, we don't really read it. Uh, it's easy to forget that to Jesus, the Psalms were uh, basically his billboard uh, 100, uh, really 150, the 150 Psalms. And these were the songs that the people sung in the nation. These are the songs that were sung as they went to worship at the various feasts, etc. So these songs are really the soundtrack of his life. And Jesus was meditating on this Psalm in particular in one of the darkest, actually the darkest and most difficult hour of his life. And what I want you to realize is, again, to us, we read the Psalms, but these were actually songs sung. And what I want you to see today is that while Jesus was on the cross, he was meditating on a song. If you will, he still kept a song in his heart, even during those horrible hours. So let's let's begin with Matthew 26 and verse uh, 46. And about the ninth hour, which is three o'clock uh, in our time, but uh, these were working people and the day started at 6 uh, a.m. So hour number one uh, for Jewish people was really six o'clock and actually the Roman world uh, as well. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with, watch this, a loud Voice. This was something that Jesus did not want to keep secret. Now, he suffered largely quietly. He did make some statements from the cross. But it's, again, the, the third hour, he, he's, it's, it's, it's a, the, actually, they're about to offer a lamb in the, the temple. And, and this is really reflective of what Jesus was literally doing uh, on the earth. Because at 3 o'clock, again, that's when they offer uh, the daily uh, lamb. So this is why the ninth hour, 3 o'clock, is so important. But the point is, Jesus uh, did not want to die and leave this a secret. Watch what he says. He cried out with a loud voice so everyone could hear, including God the Father. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the sin of the world was not only felt in Jesus' body, but it was also experienced deeply in Jesus' soul. So on that cross, Jesus felt the loneliness and, and all the pain and anguish that comes from separation with God. At the cross, Jesus was horribly beaten. His whole body was actually a literal 
bruise. Uh, we hung him naked. His, his muscles were literally quivering. His, his bowels were probably moving. Uh, but what, what I want you to, to, to realize is despite the pain and the many hours that he had suffered, Jesus did not complain about his pain even once. However, he did speak here about the emotional pain. But here's the thing, where did these words come from? And in this, we're gonna also see the power of songs and why sometimes we need to watch the lyrics and make sure we have godly lyrics in our heart and minds, particularly when we're in times of crisis. Uh, Psalm 22 and verse one, he says again, the same thing he said from the cross, why? Because he was meditating on this song, on this psalm inspired by God, written through the pen of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So in the middle of Jesus' incomparable suffering, his heart was still singing a psalm. His heart was still singing a praise. His heart was still singing a song. Now the Hebrew term that's translated psalm here is actually derived from the word that means to pluck, just like you pluck a guitar string or, or, or uh, that, that type of thing. But, but what I want you to see here is as Jesus suffered on the cross, he never stopped uh, strumming his song. There was a song going on in the inside, despite of all the horror going on on the outside. And we have proof because of the things that he said from the cross. But have you, have you ever thought about how easily it is that we, you know, lose our song uh, for much lesser things? Jesus is in the middle of the worst pain ever. And on the inside, he's singing a song. This is why, you know, the, 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 the centurion looked at him and said, surely this is the son of God. And all the pain, all that he went through, there was a song in his heart. Not only his eyes were probably even swollen open, but there was still a glimmer of light coming from his eyes despite all of the pain. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the answer to that question uh, was really all those folks that had just beaten him, all those people that were wagging their heads at him, all them that were making fun of him and, and mocking him. He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. The answer was he was forsaken for you and I. Then he goes on. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Now, hours earlier, Jesus was in Gethsemane and he, and, and he prayed and uh, he, he told the Lord what he felt. And he said, you know, Lord, Lord you know, basically this is I, I, my, everything in me cringes about what I'm about to do. I, I don't want to be separated from you. I, I don't want the pain uh, of the cross. And he told God about his emotions. But for the first time in his entirety, God doesn't answer affirmatively. And this is important. Sometimes the reason the father doesn't give us everything we want when we want is because he's thinking of the bigger pictures. And sometimes, you know, our emotions are screaming out loud, but he's a good, good father and he knows what's best for us. And, uh, you know, just about every time I've done something wrong, it was because I, I gave up the, the big picture for the immediate. And, and Jesus was talking to his father and uh, uh, his father, when, when he said, Lord, is there any way Jesus, God, the father didn't say, yes, there's another way. Jesus is the only way to the father. Listen to his prayer in Luke 22 and verse 42. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. And then he paused and he sensed God's answer. Nevertheless, not my will, 
but yours be done. Again, Jesus was honest about his human feelings, but he never let his feelings overpower his willingness to obey. Let's get back to uh, Psalms 22, verse 1. David says here by the Holy Spirit, my God, my God. Now, this is the first time in Jesus's life when he uses these words in the entirety of the Gospels that he did not call God his father. And it seems that while he was on the cross, when he was taking the sin of the world upon himself, he certainly felt alienated from God. And, and he, he lost the intimacy that he had had from God, uh, with God, from eternity past until that present time. And, uh, and he took all this for you and I, by the way. So it wasn't just physical pain that Jesus took on the cross, as awful as that is. It was also deep emotional estrangement and alienation and separation and emotional torment that he felt on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. Now, these verses literally spoke to a moment in David's life, but we also understand that David was not just a singer, he was a prophet. And he was pointing not only to his pain, but there was a double reference here, and we see this often throughout Scripture. Uh, there was a reference to his pain, but ultimately it was a prophecy of the Messiah's pain to come. And we will see this throughout Psalm 22. You know, he'll talk about, you know, nails had pierced him. And by the way, at the time in history, that David wrote this, people were typically impaled. The Romans had not invented crucifixion. So what the Romans did is they took the, the impalement of the Babylonians and took it to another level and invented crucifixion, which is the, the worst type of pain possible. And the Romans prided themselves on their ability to, to cause someone to suffer and to torture people. So it, it, was, it was a supernatural Holy Spirit revelation God gave to David that he would be nailed. And, and, and there are other uh, references there. He says, all my uh, bones are out of joint. And when they lifted Jesus up to that cross, uh, over time, his shoulders began to separate. Uh, his bones began to separate uh, fr from one another. His, his wrists began to, to uh, separate. His, his elbows. Uh, actually, I'm told by people that study this, People that hang on the cross, by the time it's over, their, their arms and limbs are often nine inches longer than they originally were. So he was grotesque on that cross. He was totally brutalized and all of his bones were out of joint. His feet were nailed to the cross and, and he had to push up and, and they were not nailed comfortably. They, his, his feet were bent and uh, his feet were flat against the cross. And as he pushed up, his, his knees did not push up straight. So I, I, it's just the, the imagery is so intense, it almost makes you want to recoil. Um, but what, what, what David prophesied is he saw the Messiah, all of his bones out of joint. And he goes on and on throughout Psalms 22, talking about the details uh, of Jesus's crucifixion. And in some ways, some of these prophets saw more than those of, of, the, of the people that were actually standing there present at that time because they saw by the spirit and they believed everything the spirit was saying. He said, my God, my God, why have you for Saking me. And, uh, uh, you know, this, this, again, David was in real pain. And uh, we can even see that David was bewildered by his 
pain. And, you know, he's thinking, you know, others might rightfully deserve, you know, uh, this type of suffering. But, Lord, I'm righteous before you. Why am I going through this type of pain? And, and this, again, uh, spoke to Jesus' situation because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 12, it says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. No exception. It says all. It says what? All and all who desire to live godly uh, uh, in Christ will suffer persecution. Then David continued, oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. Ever have a problem that you you cried about at night, you cried about in the daytime, and, and it seems that the, 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 the sky is brass and, and God's ear is, is turned in another direction. And in the night season, I am not silent. So in this moment, all Jesus had to meditate on was David's own sufferings. And this is why we need music and songs, because when, when someone else has gone through it and, and we hear them come out of it, it, it encourages us and it, and it helps us along the way. And also songs help us articulate our pain. And all of us are not wordsmiths, but when, 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 when a, a poet by, by the Holy Spirit puts uh, uh, ink to pen or pen to, to paper uh, and, and puts these words and, and says these words in a way that really speaks to our heart. That, those are super, super important things that, that that's done in the ministry of song. So we see here that David suffered and, and God uses David's suffering actually to minister to Jesus. Imagine that uh, David ministering to God himself on the cross, and we are to minister uh, to the, the, the Lord, though the context today is a little bit different. But we see here your pain can be used to minister to others. Don't minimize it, don't pretend it's not so. Your pain can be used to help somebody else. But watch verse three. He's talking about forsaken, man. I, I cry in the daytime, I cry in the night. And God, you, you haven't heard, but watch what he says in three. But you are Holy, despite all Jesus felt, all the pain he was going through, he did not fault God. He called God holy. What do you call God when, when you've been so, hit so hard you, you could barely breathe? What, what do you call God when, 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 when life's not fair? What do you call God when, when people are talking about you, lying on you? Pe people are making fun of you. People are mocking you. You are out of relationship. You look bad. Uh, I mean, things are worse than you could ever imagine they could be. And you kind of imagine <clears throat> in life you'd face some hard times, but you couldn't imagine it would ever quite feel like this. But in the middle of that, Jesus is meditating on these lyrics. <clears throat> but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. And Jesus was saying in his heart, Lord, if I, I keep praising you with this song, you will remain enthroned in my heart and I will get to the other side of this thing. And it's the song you sing in the middle of it that gets you through it. And then he continues. He said, our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. And sometimes you can't figure it all out. I know I can sometimes. And all I can do is trust. And this is all that Jesus could do on the cross was trust. They cried to you, speaking of his fathers, and were delivered. They trusted you and they were not ashamed. Now, when you think about what God uh, does or has done for others or, or is doing for others, the, the challenge is this, this it could cut uh, two ways. 
It can hit you like, uh, Lord, you know, you did it for them, then, then Lord, you do it for me. But it can also hit you, Lord, you did it for them. Why is it taking you so long to do it for me? And, and this latter sense is what started hitting Jesus emotionally and hit David emotionally. In verse six, watch what happened. On the cross, this, again, David gave Jesus terms to articulate what he was feeling on that cross. In verse six, he says, but I am a worm and no man. When you are suffering, you will not only feel ignored, but you will certainly at times feel less than. And you're like, Lord, when's it going to be my time? Here I am serving everybody else. When's somebody going to serve me? Who's looking out for me? Jesus feels totally abandoned. He feels totally less than his life is being used to pay for the lives of, of others. And, and, and no human is going to ever suffer the way Jesus has suffered. And, and he's, he's making payment. And, and you can feel less than, particularly when those you're trying to save are making fun of you and mocking you and taking, uh, making light of you. Imagine all of the thoughts that were going through Jesus's head. He's a human being and he's having feelings. He's dealing with emotions while he's on that cross. But he said, but I am a worm and no man. And literally when he took on the sin of the world, he did become in many respects a, a worm. Moses uh, likened it to uh, the, the serpent on the on the stick, on the stake. And Jesus actually used that example of, of a snake that was putting on that brazen altar that when people looked to it, they were saved. So Jesus was re totally reduced. Not only did he, God become man, that was enough. But after becoming man, he submitted to even the death of a cross or on a cross. And by the way, no one feels good about themselves when they're totally humiliated with everyone watching. Jesus is naked. He's a Jew and Jews believe that the, the body was, was, was something holy and was made in the image and, and likeness of God. And, and, and nakedness was shameful for a Jew. And by the way, this is why the women had to stand off at, the, at a distance uh, when Jesus was crucified, because he was naked on the cross. He is utterly humiliated. There are groans coming out of him. There's liquids coming out. There's blood coming out of him. He is grotesque to, 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 to look at. Actually, Isaiah tells us this, you know, that, that no one even wanted to look upon him. This is how horrible he, uh, he was beaten. But then the sin of the world was placed on him on, on top of that. And then it goes on a reproach of men and despised by the people. It's bad enough to hurt but when people are talking about you to boot, when you are vulnerable, laid bare and, and humiliated and, and at your weakest physical, emotional point on top of all that, it, it, it's hard to, to, to ever recover from a moment like that. And then he said, all those who see me ridicule me. Jesus his not only his physical pain, his emotional pain was off the charts. But what did he lean on? What did he use to get himself through that emotional pain? A song. And this is why we begin every service with worship. This is why we lift hands to God in the midst of trouble and, and challenges and difficulty. And even in our good days, why we lift our hands to him. Because these songs just have a way of keeping us, our, our minds straight and our hearts right in, in the middle of the challenge. And then it went on and said, uh, they shoot out their lip, 
meaning they make disgusted faces. They, they shake their head saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him, this is mocking here, rescue him. And the only thing that hurts more than being mocked is, is probably being betrayed. And both of these things had happened here, not only by uh, the people watching, but by one of his dear and close disciples and, and people who should have known better. People who had spent hours listening to Jesus teach and Jesus had spent hours healing them, delivering them and setting them free. They all turned on him and began to laugh at him. And they said, let him deliver him. Let God deliver him since there's a sneer on their face, since this Jesus delights in him. All this was stinging. But here's what I know. Everyone will not always understand. And people tend to make fun of what they don't understand. But another but. People are doing all this. People are saying all this. All this is going on with Jesus. If we read far enough, all his bones are out of joint. He's pierced in his hands. But despite all that's happening, this was Jesus' song going on in his heart while he was on the cross. But you are he who took me out of the womb. God, horrible things are happening. But you, God, have proven faithful. I, I may not understand how you're going to get me out of this or even how you you've done everything last time. But I know you get me out of it this time, just the way you did last time. He said, you made me trust while on my mother's breasts. God, if if you could put your love into my mother when I was most vulnerable, when I was at my weakest. Surely I can trust you now. When you come into this world, you don't come into this world with a deep voice. You don't come into this world able to speak. Someone has to take care of you. And if no one takes care of you, you are dead. But he was saying, Lord, you put it in someone's heart to take care of me. Even when I was most vulnerable and God, I'm going to meditate on what you did then, because as vulnerable as I am right now, I even feel more vulnerable. I know you're going to do the same thing now. But this is important, what I'm about to say. Faith finds weapons everywhere. He who wants to believe will never lack, lack reasons to believe. And sometimes you can't meditate on the current circumstance. You got to go way back in your mind to find some place or something you can think about and meditate on to keep your head right in the middle of what you're facing. In verse 10, he says, I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my what? God. But notice, it hurts God, but you are still God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. No one could fix this, God, but you. And I submit to your way. Even, Lord, if I don't like it, you know I don't like this. I am not enjoying this, but God, I will submit to you. I will look to you. But here is the big problem. The only way we can know the God of resurrection, pay attention to me, is if he lets some things die. You see, many of us, we have faith, but not faith 
in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. See, sometimes things have to die before we can really experience resurrection. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, yes, he's talking about his experience. He had a horrible experience. He didn't think he was going to make it through this experience. He said, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. I mean, there was no way out of this situation. I mean, it was over. It, it, it was done. I mean, we, we were in trouble. This boat had taken on uh, water. And, and I mean, it, it was now at the point was just going to uh, tip up in the air and, and sink straight down. Yes, we had the sentence of death in our cells. But why? This is important. This is really important because we want comfortable Christianity. I'm talking about Christ-like Christianity. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.